The following program is presented by the Far East Broadcasting Company because stories of people living out the gospel with their lives inspire all of us. FEBC, taking Christ to the world through radio and new media. Learn more at febc.org. The Evangelical Church from Europe, from Brazil, and the other Central American countries all pouring their resources and training in, and God is making a huge, huge impact in that island nation of Cuba. You won't hear us mention his name, but in a moment you're going to hear from a man who knows what he's talking about when it comes to God at work in the nation of Cuba. I'm Wayne Shepherd. This is First Person, and I'll introduce our guest shortly. To ensure that you never miss a First Person interview, download our free smartphone app. It's available in both the Apple and Google Play app stores, and with it, you can download our interviews for listening at any time. Although the Far East Broadcasting Company's programs don't reach into Cuba, they do reach 50 other countries of the world, many of them officially closed to the gospel message. To say thank you for these first-person interviews, please visit febc.org and learn more about this radio ministry reaching tens of millions every day. Again, that's febc.org. Well, there are many experiences in life you never forget, and I will never forget visiting Cuba several years ago and seeing firsthand how God is building His church in that communist country. We are not giving the name of our guest today for reasons you can well understand, but he travels legally and frequently into Cuba to help the evangelical churches. He also has many years of experience in Central and South America. I used to be a a firefighter when God called me at over 30 years of age to go back to Bible college. And at that time, I church planted uh, here in Canada. And then we went on to Costa Rica for a year of Spanish study and were missionaries in Peru for a number of years. And during that time, during the height of the Civil War in in Peru, uh, we had a great sense of God calling us to, uh, my wife and I, to Cuba, to uh, come alongside the um, National Evangelical Church churches and to um, put in the resources and tools they needed to win Cuba for Christ. And so that uh, started in 1993, and I was with a previous organization then until I started my own organization. And uh, so I've been going into Cuba since that time, and on an average of uh, six trips a year. So I've just broken through my 130-something trip into Cuba and working again with the Evangelical Church. So that's that's somewhat of my background, and done a lot of I did a lot of uh, preaching in. Uh, cross-denominational in especially the U.S. and and in Canada. Well, for security reasons, we're not mentioning your organization. And by the way, thank you for allowing us to talk, Dario, and and get the scoop on what God is doing in the country of Cuba. Uh, it, it, it's a bit of a sacrifice for you not to draw attention to yourself, but I understand that. That's very important, isn't it? It is. And, you know, if you can lose your identity in Christ, you can accomplish an awful lot. If you have to be applauded, uh, recognized, and affirmed, you're not going very far in Christian ministry, especially in cross-cultural ministry. Well, we want to talk about the present situation in Cuba, but give us a little uh, perspective, a little historical perspective on Cuba, especially the last 20 or 25 years. 
Well, um, of course, Cuba being uh, the one communist country in Central Central America was used as a staging theater by the Russian government where they wanted to export communism. And uh, again, uh, communism came into Cuba in 1956-57 uh, under the Castro brothers. And at that time, Russia had poured in $10.5 billion of support and uh, lots of resources in order to target three other countries where they could impact uh, South and even North America. And the countries they, uh, they determined would be best was Peru and uh, Guatemala and Nicaragua. So those are the three countries that there was uh, civil unrest, and they began to uh, try to influence strongly uh, socialism and communism in those countries in order to export them and turn them into communist countries on behalf of Russia. Mm-hmm. So that's that's now what happened is uh, with the economy and the way things were going in the nineties, nineteen ninety. Uh, two or ninety-three, there came into Cuba what's called the special period, where Russia pulled out all its support. And uh, sp- speaking with the former commander in chief of the Russian army, uh, he said all of our friends left us in those early nineties: mm-hmm. Vietnam, China, all these countries that we had exported communism into. And at that time, they pulled out their support, and Cuba was on the verge of uh, financial crash. And they, what they did is they um, uh, built, uh, they, they uh, literally carried the country on mining but and tourism and uh, sugarcane, and that those were their three main, um, uh, three main uh, entities by which they could get money into the country, especially tourism. And tourism just hit a huge boom. Of course, the number one visiting nation. Uh, to Cuba for uh, these tourist junkets is Canada. Canada sends in over uh, well over a million tourist visits a year. So, uh, yeah, it brings a lot of cash. Yeah, Dario, the, the tourists didn't come from the U.S. We all know that. Yeah, no, tourism has come from Europe, uh, China more recently. Um, of course, Venezuela is their number one trading partner. But in that special period, the company was on the verge of collapse in the early 90s, and what happened is tourism helped uh, bring cold, hard cash into the economy and keep the country afloat. Mm-hmm. But that was a, gr- a period of a great spiritual awakening where there had been 1,100 churches and house churches in those early 90s, and today there's in excess of 20 eight to 29,000 churches, house churches, and missions in Cuba. Uh, how, so, how can that be? That's such a tiny island in, in many respects. How, how can there be so many churches? Well, there's what happened is uh, through the 90s, uh, people were desperate, and uh, the government couldn't provide for the people, and there was an outcry, and people began to recognize. Uh, as a friend of mine asked, you know, uh, why uh, do people work six days a week and yet there's not enough food? Why do people not have cars, transportation? Why are they living in such dire poverty and uh, and need? And uh, a Baptist friend of mine said, no, you're asking the wrong questions. He said, it's not. We know why. Communism has failed. Socialism has failed. Um, 
this system doesn't work. He said the question you should be asking is who? Who can save us from that? And the evangelical church has the answer. Mm. Jesus Christ can rescue us, can save us, and can put us on a, a solid foundation. Wow. I know there are many denominations at work in the country of Cuba, some Pentecostal, some Baptist. Um, do you work with um, different groups? Well, there's 71 denominations now. Previously, only those denominations that were uh, pre-revolution were recognized, but now the Greek Orthodox, Russian Orthodox, some of these the Cuban government has allowed in, and even the Muslim faith is uh, has come into Cuba uh, in a small way. But uh, we work with all of them as far as Bible supplies. Uh, one of our priorities priorities is to get the Word of God in, because always the work of God needs to be undergirded with the Word of God, or the work will die out. A number of years ago, I, along with a few others, uh, were able to visit Cuba officially uh, with, uh, with government approval, and you were a part of that. We learned so much from that trip. It, it, it's true that as a Canadian, you're able to do more than we could possibly do from the U.S., right? Well, we had a prime minister... Uh, back in the day, Pierre Elliott Trudeau, who uh, defied the pressures from south of the border in making friends with Cuba, and that has given Canada and Canadians great favor in this island nation, and we've continued to uh, go down there. And um, so that's enabled us to, as as Christians, to uh, bring in resources, training, discipleship, all those things which our ministry, but many other ministries do as well. Mm-hmm. And before we talk more specifically about what's happening ministry-wise in Cuba among those thousands of churches, uh, talk about the political situation. We know that Fidel stepped aside, his brother Raul was in power or is in power. What's the present situation? Well, uh, the Castros were in for over 50, I think it's 56 or 57 years between one and the other. And uh, Fidel had a tumor, had to step aside, and his brother became the president while Fidel remained first secretary, which is the highest position in the Cuban government system. And then, uh, but Raul is, uh, he's 80, I believe it's 87 now and uh going on 88 and his health hasn't been well his he's lost his wife uh 45 years and he just doesn't have the will to carry on so his vice president miguel diaz canel uh who's 59 years old uh, a young buck by communist standards uh in cuba he stepped in to replace him And uh, they wanted to model China's model of communism, which is a limited free market economy. They just don't have the resources or the people at uh, about 11.5 million people on an island nation with not a lot of resources. So that's what's led to the present economic conditions and crisis. We'll continue to get this report from Cuba from a man we're calling Dario on today's edition of First Person. I'm so grateful for the grace I received while listening to FBBC all day long. I cried listening to God's message multiple times. The Far East Broadcasting Company receives millions of responses each year from grateful listeners. FBBC is dedicated to taking Christ to the world through radio and new media. To learn more, please visit febc.org. That's febc.org. The Far East Broadcasting Company, until all have heard. 
My guest on First Person, we'll call him Dario. Uh, he's a friend. We've known each other for a number of years. We, I did travel to Cuba with him along with a small group of men um, many years ago now. The years have flown by, haven't they? Yes. <laughs> Um, I know that there have been some recent developments on religious liberty issues in Cuba. You want to address those? Yes. Uh, last week, uh, we're meeting in uh, around on Saturday, July, I believe it was 13th. The Cuban government uh, banned Christian leaders um, from attending a conference in Washington. The minis- uh, It was called the Ministerial to Advance Religious Freedom Conference, and the leaders that were detained, not allowed to travel or leave the country, was the Moises Prada, the president of the Assemblies of God Church, Alida Leon Baez, uh, the head of the Evangelical League, which is an independent charismatic church, the president of the Baptist Convention, and another man, uh, Elain Toledano Valiente, who is uh, an uh, the head of an apostolic, Cuban evangelical apostolic. They were part of a group called the Cuban Evangelical Alliance, and they were invited to Washington to attend this freedom conference, but their own government won't let them leave. So that's what's happened in recent weeks, and it's uh, what's happened in the rhetoric is built up between the uh, uh, and, and uh, political uh, posturing and pressure built up by the United States uh, against uh, Cuba and even Canada. Canada has pulled its staff out of its embassy. Hmm. U.S. has shut down, I believe it's shut down its embassy or at least curtailed uh, a lot of its embassy. Because of um, Cuba, their number one trading partner, of course, is uh, uh, Venezuela. And with the current situation of Venezuela trying to embrace socialism uh, slash communism, uh, Maduro has invited troops from China, Russia, and Cuba has, uh, they have between, uh, 30 to 40,000 troops in Venezuela and, uh, along with 20,000 medical doctors. And right. so they have a, Cuba has a huge, huge investment in Venezuela. And for sending that, them, they get money, even though Venezuela doesn't have a lot of money and they get oil. So, uh, it's uh, it's on on a tailspin, but the U.S. says, "Well, you want to play hardball? We'll play hardball." Uh, Canada is the uh, number two trading partner, and uh, the United States, believe it or not, is the number three trading partner with sending goods for, in exchange for cash on the front end. So they have curtailed a lot of their food, a lot of their medicines. There's a medical crisis. There's a food crisis in in. Cuba, along with the uh, political and uh, economic crisis that's uh, hitting the, the uh, nation right now. Well, why is this recent uh, crackdown on these religious leaders such a concern? It's ominous news. Well, uh, I think what's happened is the church has been uh, lately has uh, been standing up and being counted for. Uh, you know, I can mention the the recent, the most recent thing is the legalization of gay marriage, in which the church in Cuba, in which the church reacted strongly to that, and there was a petition of uh, well over 500,000 evangelical signatures in reaction, and uh, because they, they uh, of course, um, uh, Raul uh, Castro, his daughter, is uh, very militantly uh, 
um, LGBTQ. And so the church has reacted to that, and so this is a way to uh, let the church know, listen, you're not in control of anything here. I see. This is government control, and uh, so we will show you what you can and can't do now. They've had a huge backlash of that, but in the midst of the... by by um, choosing a political side, Cuba is now paying the price. Um, we had I, I was just in with a group uh, into Cuba, and uh, we had to find rice in Havana to go into central Cuba, and we had to take 100-pound rice. Uh, all the food prices, an average Cuban makes less than $25 U.S. a month. And uh, they have a ration card, which with the ration card and, and uh, health and everything else would amount to about $225 uh, a month for all the uh, benefits they get with the ration card and, and uh, socialized medicine and those things. But this has really hit them hard. And uh, we had to, uh, the pastor that hosted us had to go two provinces over just to find enough chicken for the week that he that we were with him, uh, egg prices have gone up four and five times. There would be uh, there are lineups for soap for main sanitary products, which you have to buy with uh, Cuban convertible pesos. There's a two peso system. The people get paid in pesos, and uh, the um, uh, convertible pesos are used by tourists and to buy non what's what's considered uh, non-critical essential products like sanitation things like soap, uh, shampoo, those type of things, toothpaste. They're really hard to come by right now. Meat. Uh, last week, um, someone went into the Havana markets to buy uh, lamb and. Uh, they were served dog instead, so literally people are are using whatever means they can. Now, if you have the money, you can get the products, but things are really at a... There, there's, again, uh, the U.S. is no longer sending in uh, its shiploads coming out of uh, New Orleans of uh, fresh food and, and vegetables. Tyson sends a lot of chicken in. That's all dried up. Hmm. And now uh, Canada is holding back a lot of its products as well. Well, that teaches us how to pray uh, for the people of Cuba and for the church in Cuba, the believers there, the, the suffering church in Cuba. Um, but despite all this, and you've given us a great a big picture of what's going on there, Dario, but despite all this, you see God at work in this land. Tell us the stories of what you've seen. Well, it's amazing, Wayne. The uh, The church is just exploding, and I, as we met with our pastors, we... Uh, we brought in 70 pastors from one area of Cuba and a number of other pastors and uh, from the local area. And they came in, they were just so thrilled, and I asked, how are you handling, how are you getting through this crisis? And they said, we believe that Christ is in our crisis. We believe mm. that just like in the early 90s, God's going to use this economic downturn and uh, this political crisis and and uh, medical crisis to bring a, a new awakening to Cuba, to uh, lead us into a new revival. And churches are just exploding. I've been in house churches where they'll be on a patio. I've Many of our pastors, what we do is we provide uh, the church with funds to buy a piece of land in which becomes the pastor's home, because pastors aren't 
even though it's a functioning church, they're not moved out of their home because it's their principal residence. Yeah, the, uh, and, I, and I've seen some of these at least a number of years ago. These are very humble places. Yeah, I've been in, uh, well, tree churches, which is, they meet under trees. I've been in cave churches. I've been in barn churches where they chase the animals out, hold their service. The animals come back in. The evangelical church uh, there is a church planting movement, a cell group movement around the world, and uh, this Ali the Baez, the uh, the head of the Evangelical League of Cuba, I was in her church one Sunday, and she said, "All of you that have home groups, everybody that has a home group, don't come back to our mother church. It's we don't have the capacity to contain all of you. You are the new church in your community. You wow. leaders are the new pastors in your communities, and that's." And that started a huge surge uh, in their denomination. Of course, the Assemblies of God has between has around eight thousand churches, uh, cell groups, and, and preaching points throughout the country. And uh, over these last years, we've we've helped to uh, fund and establish about seventeen hundred uh, buildings and pieces of land to facilitate part of that. So, uh, but there are many groups. It's yeah. it's the story of the evangelical church from Europe, from Brazil, from uh, Puerto Rico, and uh, uh, the other Central American countries, all pouring their resources and aid and training in. And God is making a huge, huge impact in that island nation of Cuba. Dario, what have the believers in Cuba taught you personally? Sacrifice passion, a zeal for doing the work of God, because we provide them with basically a basic salary of uh, 35 uh, Canadian dollars a month, but uh, that doesn't provide for transportation, that doesn't provide for so much. It provides the basic, and 25% of all Cubans are professionals, architects, engineers, lawyers, doctors, and they are leaving those careers in order to be a humble church planner in a in a, a very frugal uh, setting, I haven't seen sacrifice like that since uh, the years I used to work a lot in China and some of these other countries. But they are totally sacrificial; they are totally sold out and passionate for God. The Cuban people are so hungry for the Word of God, and their former president said. Dario, if we sold Bibles, we would have a lineup over a mile long to get the Word of God. Now, this year, along with a church in Texas and the Texas Baptist, we have uh, sent in 25,000 Bibles in Cuba. But it's, it's just a drop in the bucket for what their needs are. But again, the Word of God needs to come alongside the work of God or the work will perish. I'm very thankful for Dario, who is giving his life and service to Christ by helping to grow the church in Cuba, and he's doing it not seeking any human praise. The growing number of believers and churches in Cuba is real, and Dario has seen it firsthand. To view the schedule of the guests we have plans to talk with in the weeks ahead, please visit firstpersoninterview.com and look for the free smartphone app in either the Apple or Google Play stores. There are other places in the world where a nation's government is opposed to the spread of the gospel, and yet radio is penetrating those barriers every day. Right on the forefront of that effort is the Far East Broadcasting Company. FEBC uses shortwave radio, AM-FM radio, internet and smartphone apps, and other digital technology. You can learn more at febc.org. Now with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Join us again for First Person. First Person.